0: If you've ever wondered how you can find yourself slap bang in the center of God's will, then this episode's for you. This week, we're going to be talking about every Christian's job description. And here we go. This is the Keeping It Simple podcast, where the rubber meets the road concerning the one thing Jesus told us to do.
1: And so excited to uh, be keeping it simple, to be really looking at some foundational stuff about how we follow Jesus.
0: Yeah, and this is our second week, so, uh, you know, maybe just another 88 to go.
1: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We keep up with Dig a Little Deeper. A shout out to our Dig a Little Deeper Yes,
0: it's great to have you still on the journey.
1: And, hey, keeping it simple, listeners, maybe you should check out... Dig a little deeper. That's true. Hey, last week we talked about the one thing. We did. That Jesus' last command should probably be our first priority. Mm-hmm. And looking at making disciples being arguably the only thing Jesus told us to do. Mm. Now if we look at defining what a disciple is, it's not complicated. The Greek is methides, or learner or student. You could say it's a teachable spirit. Which probably departs from old images of super-Christian or perfect or spiritual one, a fully devoted follower of Christ. No, to be a disciple just means to have a teachable spirit, being willing to learn from Jesus and about following Jesus. Isn't that excellent? Simple. Keep it simple. Keeping it simple. Keep it simple. I is it it's that a good, simple? It's a good name for a podcast, it keeping is, it simple. It is. So where are we going
0: today? Well, today I just want to look at, I guess, some foundational or initial theology around um, our role in God's scheme of things, and and even God's role in His scheme of things. So that's that's where we're going to
1: head. Great, and I guess we're not talking about anything new today. It's, if anything, it's a return to old, ancient principles, just maybe with a fresh way of practicing those principles. Yeah, that's
0: exactly right. Like, how do we how do we apply? M- you know, ancient command, ancient principles, ancient... Uh, ethos etc how does that translate into modern day because I'm convinced like being a follower of Christ it's not always easy that's for sure but it shouldn't be complicated Yeah. A- and often we confuse those two things it's like you know it, it might not be easy it can be tough being a follower of Christ but it's not necessarily complex especially mm-hmm. if you look at the context of some of his early disciples now some were more learned the tax collector etc but, but most of them the bulk of them were laborers, fishermen, that kind of thing. So it wasn't a complex thing. And and I'm reminded everywhere in Scripture, you know, one of the things that we as God's people are, are called repeatedly is sheep. Right. If you've ever hung around sheep, you know they're, they're not noted for being complex <laughs> no, animals. Not you know, the sharpest tools in the shed. <laughs> they're not big thinkers, and I don't think in any way that's condescending. But I just think that God is willing to meet us where we are, and that being the case, and Christianity being for every human on the planet, God is not going to make it hard to enter into His kingdom or to enter into what He is doing on the earth. Mm. So that's that's one of the key thoughts here, and I guess as we Approach this and we look at some foundational theology under discipleship and the concept of discipleship. I just want to look at two key verses. The first one is in Matthew 16, 17 through 19. So, would you like to hit us with those? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I guess it's just as we're talking about being followers of Christ as we're talking about simplifying our spirituality so that others can actually
0: embrace exactly it exactly right well. that's yeah. that's the, that's the most powerful concept around simplicity is if something is simple it's reproducible mm. or it's transferable which i think is a better word for discipleship so if we keep things simple if we focus on a simple way of thinking and executing our christianity then it can transfer from person to person, yeah. which is exactly what making disciples is all about. So, so let's so, look at these two key yeah, verses. Yeah, Matthew hey? 16 then hit us with Matthew 28 as well.
1: Yeah, so Matthew sixteen, seventeen to 19, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound here in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's Matthew 16. Matthew 28, 18-20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all these things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen.
0: Amen. And uh, I guess looking at both of these scriptures, uh, I'll never forget a moment at our state conference, Queensland State Conference conference, Oh, golly, oh, quite a few years ago now. And, uh, and we had Steve Murrell, who uh, was one of the founders of Every Nation Movement, just brilliant church planning guy. Um, and he'd written a book. I'd never read the book, um, but the book is great to get. So if you if you want a great book on some foundational principles of discipleship, you really can't go past Wiki Church. It has been absolutely foundational in so many ways for so many people. Anyhow, Steve gets up. He reads those two scriptures, and then he sort of makes this statement: uh, You know, Jesus said he would build the church, and he told us to make disciples. Your, your job is to make disciples. His job is building the church. And at that point, like I had a whole staff team, I'll never forget it, had a whole row full of staff, all leaned forward and looked at me along the row and my mouth was just open because I hadn't articulated it as well as Steve, but I'd been saying it for months. I'd been saying, right. I've got the feeling we're, we're, we're missing something here that we, Jesus builds the church. We need to be focused on making disciples, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and yet Steve just literally, he just made it so clear. Mm. Jesus' job, building the church. My job, Make disciples. In a sense, it was kind of like you know job descriptions for the kingdom.
1: Yeah, talking about those those kingdom role descriptions, and Mm -hmm. um, I guess it can be so frustrating when you don't have a clear role description, or you're trying to fill someone else's role description.
0: It's exactly right. I mean, any great organization will have some form of. of framework for people to work in, so that they know when they're kicking goals and they know what they're responsible for. Mm. Um, and yet, I find that I know for me, I've written my own job description a few times. It's generally a, re- a reflection of what I know I need to do. Mm. Um, but I wish someone would could could just give me a clear job description for you know pastor of a thriving church. Right. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, But you have to work it out as you go. But actually, Jesus hasn't done that. Jesus Jesus has made it very, very clear we have a specific task Mm. and he's also made it very, very clear that he has a specific task, which is really incredible. Now, what's incredible about that is I've been attending pastors' conferences, you know, for 30, 36 years it would be now. Mm. And if I really, really boil it down, without being too critical, but if I boiled it down, for for 34 or 36 years, I've been attending pastors' conferences that have been trying to tell me how to do Jesus' job.
1: Right. How to build the church. How to build the church. Yeah. You
0: yeah. know, you need this and you need that. You need this system. Your key staff member's going to be this or that, and then you need to do that, and you need to reach into the community this way and that way, and and so much good information. And I'm not dishing it at all. I'm just saying it's sort of been focused on training pastors for what Jesus said He would do, right? And so few conferences I've ever been to just make the main thing the main thing and say because yeah. I don't know how well they'd actually be attended to tell you the truth, knowing right. some of my colleagues, not all of them, but some of them, it would be no, no. I want to know how to do the music, how do the I lighting, build the yeah, yep, yeah, how does the foyer need to look? What's the guest experience? Tell me that stuff. Whereas actually, if we were going to say the main things making disciples, our greatest hearts cry should be, and this is not just for pastors, but for every believer, every mm. Christian, Lord, what I'm seeking you for is how do you want me to do the one thing you've told me to do? And if if I do that, then you can get on doing your job.
1: Right. And I guess which is, if we were to give it maybe modern terms, is that Jesus is like the master builder. He's Mm. he's the one that has the blueprints and the plans. We're just the laborers in that that sense. That's a great thought. he's He's telling us. You need to put this there. You need to do that there. You know, but he's actually the one that's doing the yeah, building. I suppose he's
0: he's doing the building, and we're just yeah. providing the materials, I guess, in a sense. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, think about one Peter two five. Uh, Peter says that we're like living stones, and we're being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So he paints this picture of the church. As a as a spiritual house and I guess if you think about a, a building site um, you know where a building is about to be built you um if you think about that in, in, I guess, just modern terms, you will see if you've ever seen a house built in your neighbourhood, before the builders even get on site, you will see pallets of bricks arrive. You'll mm. see house frames and trusses and, you know, and there'll be excavation happening and cement trucks. And so so all this stuff starts to come on site. The, the materials have to be there. Right. And I guess this is the, the crazy thing that it doesn't matter. What a fantastic carpenter you are. What a great master builder you are. If you don't have the material to work with, you still can't build. Right. And and I think that's the critical nature of discipleship. What we are actually doing is working with people and producing Hearts for the kingdom in them through mm. discipleship, walking the journey, walking from total darkness into the light, into an understanding of the gifts and the callings of God and the anointings on their lives and, you know, helping them mm. walk with Jesus and hear from God for themselves. They're the kind of people Jesus then picks
1: Builds up <laughs> and yeah. begins
0: to actually build with. Yeah, yeah. And so we focus on building the church. And if we're not careful, we, we, we have to put all these artificial environments like life support systems for the church to function rather than focusing on just getting our blood healthy. Mm. And if the blood's healthy, the whole body becomes healthy and begins to grow and nurture itself. So I guess there's this mind shift needed. When we talk about foundational theology, there has to be a, a, a mind shift from I'm going to build the church. And I can remember, you know, I'm still challenged by it at times where I'm thinking I need to do this and I need to do that. And, yes, as a local church leader, I need to make quality choices and I, I need to identify the right people, and that kind of thing. But, I mean, even looking at identifying the right kind of people, if your whole church is busy making disciples, the greatest challenge becomes who who's – who will I use first? Right, yeah, not yeah. who will help me, yeah. but is this the right person for that role? Because they're a great person; they could fit here, they could fit there. What's in their heart? What's their passion? What's their desire to serve Jesus? Mm. But it becomes a lot easier when you've got all this material on site, and you're just thinking, now I need a block of timber about this long. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can look across and go, there it is. There it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so, uh, so Jesus is calling us, I guess, to. To be those workers on site and to get those materials on site and be ready to work with him with the material so that he can actually build the church the way he wants to build the church. And and that's kind of that analogy. Mm. And I think that's what Peter is intimating. It's like we're living stones. It's like, you know, we are the stones that he makes this beautiful. Building with, mm. um, but the stones have got to be on site, yeah, yeah. And the only way to get them on site is to actually reach people who are outside of faith and bring them on a journey into the kingdom of God,
1: yeah. And I mean, we would even understand, just even in talking about church, um, sometimes that definition's been hijacked a little bit where it's I guess in English it's complex because church is a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it is a place, but actually church is supposed to be the people. Exactly. And yeah. everything else in church life kind of waxes and wanes a little bit, but yeah. I think it is, like you're saying, it's the, those living stones that are actually going to remain. True. I mean
0: it's really an anathema to call it a church building a church. Mm. I, I know what we're saying and, and it's so embedded in our imagination it's hard to shift, but ultimately it's a facility. Mm. It doesn't matter how many stained glass windows, crosses or whatever it's got on it. And it doesn't actually matter whether it's got none of that. At the end of the day, it's a facility. Yeah. It actually facilitates the church gathering. Mm. That's all it is. It's yeah. it's just the church gathered but the building itself, and we talk about sacred space, and there are allusions to that in scripture with the Garden of Eden and sacred space and the temple. There's patterns for that, but I'm convinced, and we've planted churches in it. This church was planted in a pub,
1: yeah, that's yeah. where
0: it began. And so, um, when we gather, we are the holy ground, we are the dust inspired by god god breathed into man and he became a living being Mm. so we are holy ground yeah a building's not holy ground we're holy ground so wherever we are we sanctify it with the presence of god who is within us yeah and so that's that's the church that's this living temple living stones coming together to form a spiritual house as peter says
1: and it's amazing how the other things can kind of come and go i mean you talk about buildings i mean what this is Fourth, fifth, sixth building that this that this church has been in. It's like yeah, yeah, great yeah. buildings come and go. I mean, at the same sense, you have sometimes you have great meetings and yeah. sometimes you have average meetings.
0: Well, I mean, it's an amazing thing. Even even moves of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I mean, yeah, we're talking about God visiting His people, God breathing in a, a specific way in a specific season. But I mean, I've been around, I guess, following Jesus now for nearly forty years, and the fact is. They come and go even mm. seasons of the holy spirit they come and go mm. and and if you're really honest people who try and propagate that and keep us an old season going, it gets weird. Yeah. You've just got to let it go and move with the cloud,
1: man. You know, uh, yeah, if, if that's yeah. not what
0: God's doing right now, then I don't want to be doing it. It's y- like you know. those
1: mountaintop experiences with God, yeah. I suppose, which are great, but yeah, you can't live on the mountain. No. I always think of the um, the three disciples who see Jesus <laughs> transfigured and, and, yep. and you know, I know there's probably some more symbolic Nature to what they're suggesting, but it's kind of like, let's send up tents, like, yeah. let's just live here and stay yes. here because yeah, it's yeah. great, exactly. But that seems to be where weirdness comes from in, <laughs> in the church is where people <laughs> just just try camp,
0: yeah. And, and that's why you know, like, God literally speaks from a cloud and says, you know, go, <laughs> l- listen <laughs> yeah. to my son, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. here he is right in front of you. And, um, and then Jesus packs him up, of course, moves down the mount of transfiguration. and the first thing he encounters is a demon-possessed person. Yeah. So the thought is, yeah, it's wonderful to be on the mountaintop with Jesus, but ultimately the real ministry happens in the valley where the demons are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, great, great meetings come and go, the buildings come and go, great leaders and men of God, Mm. as wonderful as they are, they come and go.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I guess even in... Recent years, you know, you've seen some shifts in leadership that you oh, potentially never would have ever picked or expected. And
0: never would have dreamed, you mm. know, and some of it's really tragic. Some of it's natural. Some of it's tragic. Um, but the the fact remains that it doesn't matter what a great leader you are, how anointed by God you are, you will finish your season.
1: Mm, yeah. you know, even, yeah. if,
0: even if it's only death, that ensures it. But you will finish your season. So great leaders, men of God, come and go. Great local churches even. Come and go. They swell and they have their moment and for whatever reason sometimes I look at great churches we have in the in the state of Queensland that are in country areas that have that where the, the population has shrunk right back right. because of shifts, you know, in, in the environment and in in commerce, in farming, etc. And all of a sudden where there was a thriving local church that maybe a hundred years ago people could not have imagined the community without it. Mm. All of a sudden it's it's a little local art gallery or something or a coffee shop or it's boarded up. Yeah. Uh, So even local churches, it comes and goes. All that remains, and I guess, you know, we've talked about all that to say this, all that remains after all those things pass away, moves of God, great local churches, men of God, when they've had their season and it all moves on. All that remains afterward are those who were discipled in the midst of those things. Yeah. Because in the midst of those things, you know, a great local church that's thriving, hopefully in the midst of that some people are being well-discipled.
1: And that's probably a good distinction. Like what remains is not the people that attended the church. It's the disciples, isn't it?
0: Exactly right. Because generally the ones who've discipled them, they move on. Yeah. You know, by hook or by crook. they they Everything from losing their faith to moral failure to just passing away at a ripe old age and being a wonderful, fruitful Christian all their lives. I mean, at the end of the day, all that remains are those who are discipled. Mm. And that's all that ever remains. Right. Church structures change, church buildings change, society changes, leadership changes, even what God's doing by His spirit in a unique way. It all has its season. But the one thing, if you look at all of church history, the one thing that has carried it all, even under tremendous and probably most often under tremendous persecution has been those who have been well discipled mm. and they carry the seed of the kingdom. Kingdom into the next generation. Yeah,
1: so I guess what I guess a lot has been said about fruitfulness and being fruitful (laughs) and a a quote unquote fruitful ministry, but but disciples are the true fruit, aren't they?
0: They, without a doubt. And and I think that's what we've got to get embedded in our spirit is to trust that if we do the one thing Jesus told us to do, He will do and accomplish the thing He's saying He will do. Mm. He will build His church. And, and so we set ourselves to disciples. They're the true fruit. I mean, it's funny in Christian circles. Maybe I'm speaking mainly Pentecostal circles. But, you know, often we can be tempted as Christians, uh, as Christian leaders. You know, Christian leaders are tempted to see amazing meetings, right. great atmospheres as like the fruit of their ministry. Mm. And, and it might be the fruit of some of the decisions they've made and a, a sharp eye for things. Yes, that's true. You know, even great crowds, um, all of that stuff, you, Christians can often see their giftedness as their fruit. mm you know, I've got a great prophetic gift, I've got a healing ministry, I'm a good speaker, I'm a preacher, that's my that's right. my fruit. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not. They're the gifts God gave you. Mm. They're the tools God gave you to produce fruit. Right. That is not the fruit. Right. My yeah. fruit is not a good sermon. Right, yeah. You know, yeah. my fruit is people who are discipled in the midst of me trying to teach, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so, uh, and we're going to move into, I guess, some different models of delivery of discipleship too. But uh, but for now, just look at Jesus. You know, Jesus' great high priestly prayer begins somewhere in John 15, I think, through to 17. And, and at one point, Jesus literally says, you know, I, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Actually, John 17, verse 12 says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so this is Jesus, you know, he's about to go to the cross. He's literally, he's praying for everyone, interceding for the world uh, as he approaches the cross and he comes to this point where it would seem like this is the fruit he's laying down at the feet of the Father. He's not saying, I've been here and I have had amazing meetings. I've been here on earth, Father, and I've drawn massive crowds. Right. I have done miracles of healing, the, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking. I've been feeding multitudes. I've been raising the dead. Mm. Jesus doesn't point to any of that. What he actually points to is 11 people. Mm. And we actually know they were pretty scrappy still. They they weren't even 11 fully devoted followers of Christ. They they were yet to deny him. Someone was still going to deny him, run away in fear, all that sort of stuff. Uh, And yet Jesus is saying, here's my fruit.
1: Mm. And I guess we could easily say, you know, was it enough? It doesn't seem that significant if someone said I have a ministry that's affected eleven people, it'd be very <laughs> easy to be like, Well but it's like that was that was Jesus, yet here we are two thousand years later.
0: Well, when you think about it, about eleven people, it's like, you know, you just said if someone said, Oh, I've had a ministry, that affected eleven people, we'd say they're a life group leader. Right. You know, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, we love yeah, life yeah, group yeah. leaders. But actually Jesus was saying, I'm a life group leader. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've just done life with these eleven people, and we know he did life with more than that too, but these people that he called and then called them to go out and preach, those mm-hmm. he called his apostles, these are the ones I have sown my ministry into and replicated my ministry through. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to rest on my laurels and say that's them. And I even lost one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know what I mean? And so uh I think that's a mind that should be a mindset shifter, Mm -hmm. a mindset challenger from, you know, if if, whether you're, I guess, a church leader. If you're a church leader listening to this, man, if you haven't already done it, can I urge you, shift gears. Building the church will crush you. That's just building an, an organization or a corporation. That will crush you in the end. You're not called to be a CEO. You're called to be a pastor. And primarily, you're called... To make disciples, to develop people and to develop people's gifting, to equip them to serve Christ and do good works in the earth. And that's actually the easiest way Mm. to build a church is to build people first. So if you're a church leader, I urge you that way. I think this is phenomenal news. For the average grassroots Christian, yeah, who might be like, I am busy in business. I'm I'm busy with my profession. Um, you know, I'm a teacher and it takes all my time. I'm a I'm a businessman and I have these demands and I have a family. I've got kids. You know, I, 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 like I don't see inside the church walls as my primary ministry. My primary ministry dwells in the marketplace, and they are the champions of the faith, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So you're a minister in really diverse circumstances, and you, you could be time-pressed, time-poor. You could be wondering, what could I do to really make an impact for Jesus? And and what I would encourage you to do is do, do that one thing Jesus told us to do. Do that thing that Jesus was happy to hang his hat on. Mm-hmm. You know, as he approached the cross, he was happy to say, okay, you want to see my fruit? Here it is, 11 people. Yeah. You know, he did it in three and a half years. You have a lifetime.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and I think God would be extremely happy if you just turned up with a handful of people at the end of your life and said, Lord, you know, I, I got busy. I was doing this. I was doing that. Life was crazy. But in the middle of it all, here's just a few people that are brought on the journey with me. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they love you. They serve you on different levels. But they're connected to you and they're somehow in your purpose. I think you're going to get a well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what that is going to earn a well done, good and faithful servant every time. Um, because we could ask the significance of what Jesus did. Well, the answer is we're still here talking about Jesus Christ 2,000 years later. Mm. He says, well, 11 people, there's the sum total of my ministry. And it was enough because here we are.
1: So I guess we've got to remember, good people, that being a disciple is not about being perfect or a super Christian, it's about remaining teachable. Thanks for being with us today. If you've made it this far, then we hope that means this episode was valuable to you. We'd love this resource to reach anyone who needs it. So please consider giving this podcast a rating or sharing this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email Simple at newhope.org.au. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.